0: Welcome to another episode of Visitings, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside the traditional exhibition space. My name is Alan Nakagawa and I'll be your host. Las Imaginistas is a collective that has been addressing issues such as immigration, community development, housing, women's rights, racial justice, and education. The founding members are Celeste Luna, Nancy Guevara and Cristina Patino-Sukian Hull. Las Amajenistas are a socially engaged art collective based in the Rio Grande Valley. In this episode of Visitings, we had an opportunity to speak with Cristina Patino-Sukian Ho on the phone from Brownsville, Texas. Um, their project, Taller de Permiso, was awarded an ArtPlace America Creative Placemaking Grant in 2017. The project was launched in February 2018. You can learn more about their work at Christina-Sugyan-hole.squarespace.com I'll spell that out for you. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-S-U-K-H G I A N hyphen H O U L E dot Squarespace.com
1: I'm my full name is Christina Patino Sukian Houle and I'm one third of the artist collective Last in Mahanista.
0: Great. And, uh, the obvious question is, uh, what, what does the, what is the group about? And where'd you guys get your name?
1: Uh, well, we, so there are three of us and we all are interested and in living along the border. We're interested in the borders, uh, interested in the border space and we're all living and working here and have been here for different amounts of time. Um, and became really interested in uh, the, the name Lata Magnesis. Uh, it's kind of, we, we were inspired by, partially by the Zapatistas, like thinking about uh, the work that they've done in collective imagining um, in southern Mexico and how the process of making art has become uh so integral to their process of uh, civic engagement and civic action. And um, we all had had been inspired by reading about them, and then some of us have actually visited uh, Chiapas and San Cristobal. And we were bringing some of that inspiration to our work together as a collective. And so when we were thinking about finding a name we um, like the idea that we, as a collective, were were kind of warriors for an idea, or like that we were a a, um, a group of people working together for uh, collect a, a cause that we shared, or for values that we shared, in the same way that uh, the Zapatistas are. Um, and this, in the similarly to the Zapatistas as well, that um, that they're very much about community building, and they're very much about um, create working towards these shared values but also in in building up space and um, building up the space around them and having their um, their values and their stories told in the physical space and that was a question that um, and an investigation that was interesting to
0: us. It's,
1: it's kind of like the imaginers or the people doing imagining, the people thinking about imagining, um, which I think is something that's important to us, uh, the process of dreaming as being a, um, a bed or a foundation for um, civic action to grow within.
0: And who are the other two members of the group?
1: Uh, Nancy Guevara, and Celeste de Luna.
0: How'd you guys meet?
1: We all came together for a project that was the first, as far as I know, the first creative placemaking project in the Valley. Um, There uh, is a design nonprofit called BC Workshop, or, or Building Community Workshop, that's based out of Dallas that has an office in Brownsville. And they received a creative placemaking grant from the National Endowment for the Arts to do um, a project in Brownsville. And uh, and after they received that grant, they hired, um, they, they were looking for someone to to run that program and um, looking for someone who who had experience in, Education and uh, and community arts, um, and then they also looked for the artists to participate in the program. So I was hired to be the creative placemaking fellow to manage this this creative placemaking project, and then uh, Nancy and Celeste were um, selected as two of the participating artists. Um, so the the program itself, we had three artists. Uh, it was, there was one other artist whose name is Vigilberto Gonzalez. Um, and the four of us worked together very closely for, um, about seven months or so. Um, and so for those, for those seven months, there was a, an art incubator that was in downtown Brownsville. And, uh, it, and so I moved to the Valley to participate to take this position, and uh, Nancy also moved to the Valley to participate as an artist. And Celeste had already been living here, and um, and so we worked really closely together, thinking about um, civic engagement issues and uh, and the city um, and art making for that period of time, and uh, got to know a lot of. Um, Stakeholders here, and a lot of different community members, and um, a, a lot of the focus of the project that I think was identified with the group was um, figuring out and how how art could be used to address a community development issue. Well, for the for the project that we've been working on. Uh, the artist ended up producing um, artworks for that project, and then uh, we also had a number of different public art events. Um, but I think that that time together uh, really laid the foundation for us to uh, start to think about how we could work together um, the three of us, and what uh, what was the intersection of our interests and in artistic practices? Uh, and how might that be further explored um, in the region.
0: Now, Brownsville, Texas, I'm looking at a map right now. So this is like the most south part of the border between the United States and Mexico. Yes, exactly. It It is like right at the very (laughs) lowest tip of the United States there. Yes, Okay. And yeah. it's, oh, and it's very close to Monterey.
1: Yeah. It's a few hours, I think, a few hours, few hours drive. But, it's, but it's, it's still, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty close. It's right. a, a half-day bus trip if you, if, if, if you want to do that. So, and Brownsville is really interesting too because when it, the the city infrastructure here used to be part of Matamoros, which is just on the other side of the border. And so the all throughout the border, it's it's interesting because there are many cities that are kind of split. They're like um, they have their city centers on either side of um, in some places the river, or in other places there's not a river, but. Um, but the city center for Brownsville is really right next to a, a uh, right next to the wall. It's right next to a bridge, and you can be downtown in Brownsville and cross the bridge and then cross over to uh, Matamoros. And um, so that's something else that I think is really distinct about the region is that there's
0: this
1: shared um, underlying historical infrastructure. Uh, with an inter, you know with another country. Yeah, Celeste de Luna was already here. So she's been living in not in Brownsville, but in the Rio Grande Valley. And in the valley, there's a lot of um, I mean, there's maybe, there are two counties that are right that neighbor one another, and there's a lot of travel that happens back and forth. So she lives in the other county, but um, it's very common for people to spend uh, about an hour commuting, depending on what their work is. Mm. Um, but she, she commutes from the other county, um, but uh, actually, actually, that's not sure. I'm not, I can't say that for sure. She's right near the county line. I'm actually not sure what side of the county she's in. But she had been living here for a long time and uh, had been making art here. And then Nancy is from Laredo, which is another border town that's a little bit further east. Um, and so she had been living in Laredo and then moved away and then moved back to the region for, uh, for this project. Um, but Celeste is, uh, is from the region and has been here uh, for a life.
0: And you said several times the valley. So which, what can you uh, uh, elaborate on what you mean by the valley and what, the importance of the valley to Brownsville?
1: Yeah. Um, the, when I say the valley, I'm referring uh, to the Rio Grande Valley, and that's thought of as a four-county region um, and the kind of four southernmost counties in Texas. And a lot of the time, those four counties are thought of collectively as a whole. So um, even though we're working in Brownsville, we're really thinking about also our position in the Rio Grande Valley, and then our position along the border, and uh, and then our neighbors on the other side of the border. Um, and my perception living here is that um, that's very common that people here uh, see themselves as part of multiple geography, um, which I think is really different from how um, I've experienced like resident identity when I've lived in other cities um, here. It, I think people don't only identify with the city that they're living in, but they really identify with the region. Um, and I think that that's because there's, there is so much, traveling that happens within within that four-county region. So people will go to the other side of the border to visit their family, and they'll come back. So they'll, like, spend the weekend with their family in Mexico, and then they'll come back and they'll work in the, uh, in whatever border city in the U.S., or um, they'll have friends in uh, the upper valley, the upper Rio Grande Valley, and they'll go there for an event or to see a show, and, and then they'll come back uh to uh, you know to their wherever they live in the lower valley um, and then I think also the the border wall is something that connects people living in the valley as well our relationship to these these shared community development issues that um, that span through the different counties and then also the the history feels very shared like I think that there's a lot of um a lot of identification with big issues that have come through the region. Um, because we're so, it's such a rural area, um, there's kind of pride and identity connected to the things that happen in the region, even though they might be 120 miles away, it still feels very much tied to the same fabric. Uh, that unites all the cities in the um, in the Fort County area. Our are launching our project Taller de Permiso, which translates to uh, Permission Workshop, and this uh, this program is a two-year initiative where we're going to be working to demystify um, municipal permitting processes. Uh And also we'll be working to, uh, we're we're working specifically with the Buena Vida neighborhood. And Buena Vida neighborhood is really fascinating because it's a, it's a a small neighborhood that that borders the downtown uh, area. So if you kind of visualize like, that Matamoros and Brownsville are, you, you can, if you kind of zoom out, you can see how they look like they have city centers that are right up next to the border wall. Um, and then there's like a line between them. That's the border. And then, uh, just North of that city center. So we're talking about maybe like a half mile is a residential area called the Buena Vida neighborhood. Um, and This neighborhood uh, is, I think, according to the census, I think the average household income uh, two years ago was around uh, $12,000 per household. Um, It's a neighborhood that has sometimes been mistaken as a colonia, and a colonia is um, it translates literally to like neighborhood in Spanish, but usually when it's used in the region as a as a term when you call a neighborhood, a colonia, you're usually, ident- actually it's a term that's been, uh, that has now a certified use in urban planning where it means like a neighborhood that lacks infrastructure. And there are a certain number of like certified colonias in the United States and most of them are along the But usually what it means is that it's a, it's an area that's not incorporated into a township. And so it's, infrastructure has to be managed by the county. Um, So Buena Vida is one of the oldest residential neighborhoods in Brownsville, but they, uh, even though they're incorporated into the city, they have been mistaken as a colonia. They've been mistaken as a region that has not been incorporated into the city because they have such high, or historically, they've had such high levels of poverty in that region. Um, And so... There's a lot of interest in the in the city right now to do um, economic development, particularly for the downtown area. Uh, Brownsville has uh, one of the highest percentages of, or the highest number of uh, war, uh, buildings. To, that have been built, I think, before like 1850 or something like this. Um, or maybe not quite that old, but and it, I, I can get you the number after the year after uh, we get off the call. But they have the, the point is just that they have a high number of um, very old historical buildings in their downtown region. And so they see this as an asset and as an opportunity to do increase. Um, tourism in the region and economic development for this region that's just neighboring. um, I mean, really only divided by like one or two blocks from this other region that has a very high level of, uh, of low income households. And so we wanted to think about how can we, um, how can we kind of see the city's interest in, economic development as an opportunity to investigate how that economic development um, or that inquiry into economic development can benefit the, uh, the region's most uh, – the population most in need of economic development.
0: What are some of those uh, proposed activities?
1: Uh, our project has has three main phases um, that are all playing with this idea of of permitting as permission. Um, so we think uh, as as the art collective, we wanted to think about permitting and the, the municipal process of permitting and um, and kind of how to make that more accessible. But we also wanted to think about the the concept of permitting, and what does it mean to give a permit, and what does it mean to get a permit, and who gives and gets permits, um, who, who gives and receives permission, um, and who, who is entitled to, to, to be a giver of permission, um, and how can we, uh, as residents, uh, give permission to things or give permission to ourselves. Uh, to participate in these civic uh, civic activities. Um, So inspired by that, we divided our our project into three phases. The first is permission to dream, and the second is permission to know, and then the third is permission to act. Um, So in the permission to dream phase, kind of similarly to how we view our title as a collective, we view dreaming as being a critical part of civic engagement and mm-hmm. um, and participation in 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 crafting and kind of getting to know the fabric of your city. Um, so in this phase, we're going to be converting uh, elotero or like popcorn carts. So these are like folks who, who either bicycle through the streets or push their parts through the streets uh, selling popcorn. corn. Um, we have a number of folks who do that, and we'll be partnering with some of those vendors to transform those parts into sueño parts or dream parts. And uh, we'll have a number of uh, days during the space where we'll go into... Uh, into the Buena Vida neighborhood, pushing these swing wheel carts or these dream carts and um, collecting people's dreams from the neighborhood in exchange for popcorn or in exchange for um, – we'll also be doing this with um, ice cream trucks uh, in exchange for ice cream – And then the other thing that we'll be doing with this is issuing uh, creativity permits, um, so giving out permits and also receiving permits from the community to to dream um, in partnership with them. And uh, then we're going to take all of these dreams and we're going to uh, imagine. We're going to repurpose. Um, so we're about to have the primaries here. Uh, And we will repurpose political signs uh, and turn them into uh, small business signs that are inspired by the dreams that are collected. And we're going to install those all over the city. Um, And then in the permission to know phase, we're going to do some small business incubation um, and also... uh, Like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like technical, uh, oh, sorry, industry-specific small business incubation. So we'll have three different phases of, um, of, 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 of teaching different tools and helping people to imagine their business ideas, and then also taking them through some of the technicalities of of what it actually means to start a business, how to actually get a permit. And helping to partner them with artists to visualize uh, those businesses and uh, and see through the the aesthetics and the materiality of their businesses being actualized. And then during that phase, also during the permission to know phase, we're going to have uh, an intergenerational investigative uh, team working. Yeah, through media uh, like like new media, like video and podcasts uh, and also print media um, to figure out some of these big questions that we're hearing from residents like kind of what are the logistics of getting a permit and why is it so hard and so these intergenerational teams will be youth partners with uh, elderly um, a, there are a lot of we have a wonderful a group of folks who have already been working with the, be the Housing Authority who um, are senior citizens and are very interested in being civically involved. And, and we see that intergenerational partnership as being an exciting way to build community bonds in the region. Um, so they'll be working together to, to, to interview residents and then also to get some of those practical questions answered. And then they're going to work together to produce videos, podcasts and print materials that make all of this information accessible um, and all of those materials are going to be put into a mobile yedberia library so Yerberia is um, if you were to ever visit Brownsville, you would see uh, quite a few of them they uh, are like almost like herb pharmacies they're somewhere you might go for uh, to get an, an herb that, for something that's Healing, or sorry, ailing you physically, or it might also be where you would go
0: to get an herb for something that's ailing you spiritually.
1: Yes, we are very fortunate in the timing of this program because it comes at a moment when I think the city is starting to ask some of these questions. Uh, and also presented newly with opportunities to uh, to address them. Um, so there have been a lot of recent changes in leadership in the city, uh, which has kind of allowed for new investigations for some of the challenges that have gotten in the way previously or have allowed the permitting process to be opaque and challenging to navigate. Um, and then I think the city, so aside from kind of like at a structural level they're being changed, I, I think that the city is also actively investigating how to, to uh, better listen to residents and how to um, better incorporate resident feedback. And so they're at a moment where they're trying to restructure their permitting system as well. So we really see uh, the work that we're doing um, as and happening kind of simultaneously with these municipal initiatives um, and being influenced and hopefully them allowing the, the research and the work that we're doing to influence their, uh, their work as well. Um, and I think that, In an ideal world, uh, in in two years, we would see maybe not as much a presentation of a toolkit to the city that has been developed in isolation, um, but we really want to invite them into the process and have um, that toolkit be uh, a reflection of their input and interest in uh, this as a question. I see my artistic career as starting in performance. I started, um, uh, I feel like I first became interested in art uh, when I became interested in in comedic improvisation. And the thing that I really liked about comedic improvisation was um, this idea of, like, organicity. Like, I think I really liked the, the... the pedagogy of improvisation um, that, the, that the group together like works to create artwork and that there's some sort of group knowledge and that together you can work to create something that's bigger than yourself. And that there's, uh, there's the opportunity for each individual to contribute something unique, but that the, the success of the project really dependent upon the collective's ability to listen to one another and to build upon the ideas of one another. And I think that those ideas were really interesting to me. Um, And, and so I, I went to Chicago and I was, uh, I studied with second city for a while and um, I did some performance work out there. And I think I got to a point in my education in, um, in comedic improvisation where I felt like the, the questions stopped opening up and they started to kind of narrow um, so it felt like uh, instead of the it, at a certain point in, in that training um, it started to feel less like um, we were we were asking more and new types of questions and more like things were starting to become uh, slightly formulated formulaic and uh, I think that at that point, I started to become really interested in visual art. And uh, I found myself in museums a lot and, um, and galleries and, and going to uh, dance performances and just trying to, to, to figure out if, if the questions aren't opening up here, where are they opening up?
0: That concludes another episode of Visitings. Thanks to Christina Patino Sugian Ho and the collective Las Imaginistas for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks, as always, to the Echo Park Film Center in DovLab for letting me share this. I'm Alan Nakagawa sitting in my living room in Koreatown saying thank you for listening to Visitings.